Michigan State absolutely rolls Richmond. What were the biggest takeaways from this win against an FCS team? What were some of your biggest lessons learned? And then a whole other bunch of random stuff. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, welcome to another uh, victory episode of this here podcast. That's right, Lockdown Spartans. I am your host, Matt Sheehan. If you ever want to reach out, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us or Sheehan underscore sports on Twitter. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Go give us five stars if you're feeling pretty celebratory after that nice win for Michigan State here. And let's just get into it right now. Um, Michigan State absolutely pounds Richmond into oblivion at Spartan Stadium, 45-14. to 14. Uh Suck it, Richmond. That's right. That'll show you what happens when you come to Spartan Stadium. I whatever. whatever. It, look, it, it was a game against an FCS team, and kind of like we talked about before this game even started, not even that great of an FCS team. They lost their home opener to Morgan State, and same exact result happened at Michigan State. Um, yeah, it was... Pretty much over halfway through the first quarter. Never really felt like this game was going to be in danger. The defense was going to have this locked tight the entire 60 minutes. That's kind of exactly what happened here. The biggest news from this game, let's get into it right now. Unfortunately, it's a very <laughs> reminiscent of what happened last year against Western Michigan. It's all about the injuries, how we lost uh, Darius Snow right off the bat last year. <sighs> anyway, uh, Jacoby Winman. He he was out in the first half, came back to the sideline, no pads on in the second half. Pectoral injury. Now, as far as the extent of that, Mel Tucker had no information at the post-game press conference. Needless to say, uh, it, it would be better to have a three-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week player than it would to not be have him. Jalen Berger, he left with an ice patch taped around his shin and then was seen later in a walking boot. And then Jaron Mangum, who was listed as questionable before the game even started, he gave it a go in warm-ups and then had to be helped off the field by trainers. And then he did tweet out after the game that, I'm good. Thanks for the prayers. See you soon. So that's optimism from Jared Manga. But beyond that, Mel Tucker had nothing to say about Berger or Winman. And as you could see on Saturday afternoon at Spartan Stadium, Berger's important to have on this team. Now, it's very clear that Nathan Carter is the number one running back on this team after just two games. That's no debate. It's also no debate how important Jalen Berger is because after Nathan Carter, I we are... God, we, we are a Nathan Carter rolled ankle away from Davion Prim and Jordan Sims as your top two running backs. And I don't know if you guys saw that in the second half, but we saw how that would go. Um, not, not necessarily good. Anyway, Mel Tucker, he had this quote. We've got to get some guys back healthy because we need everyone. Also went on to say we're not going to have the 24-hour rule right now. I told those guys, and they all agreed, get your celebration over in the locker room. Once you leave the locker room, Washington is on the clock. 
That's good for Mel Tucker to give these guys at least a time to celebrate in the locker room because, point blank, I I would tell the team to stop celebrating in the third quarter today. Uh, this this was a, a a waste of time of a game, almost. I mean, really the only thing that could happen was bad things, and you know, that, that happened with Jacoby Winman and Jalen Berger getting hurt. Again, the extent of the injuries, we don't know. Will Mel Tucker talk more about this Monday's press conference? With his track record, I, I would have a hard time believing that. I mean, this is the same team that kept their starting quarterback under wraps for the Central Michigan game. I'm sure they will downplay the injury status of Jacoby Winman and Jalen Berger leading up to kickoff against Washington. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll check the message boards. We'll talk to our insiders that are in the know. But, yeah, until then, it's all going to be up in the air. Now, let's talk about the good things that happened because again this was a 45 to 14 win Michigan State got to file one in the win column our Spartans are 2-0 on the season let's not lose sight of that the good well let, let's talk about that really good running back that we got from UConn Nathan Carter 111 yards three touchdowns all in a day's work on just 19 carries what else can you say about him? This is something we talked about in the offseason. We're hearing a lot of good things about him. He could be a plus running back for this team. You saw it against Central. Certainly saw it against Richmond. And it's looking like a strong player. And we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit. It's not necessarily the byproduct of great offensive line play. Uh, all right. And also in the good category here, Noah Kim. Slow start. Just like last week against Central. However, just like last week against Central as well, exploded after the first few drives that were a little clunky. All that Noah Kim did was have 17 straight completions uh, and then finish with 18 of 19 passing after his slow start. Looked fine out there. Uh, distributed the ball really nice. Uh, Trey Mosley, really good bounce back game, which is kind of weird to say a bounce back game. It's not like he played terrible against Central, but... Hey, look, he's Mr. Reliable. He had that drop against Central, so he comes back. Five catches, 84 yards. He had the opening touchdown tonight. Secondary was also nice as well, and I, I want to try to dampen my enthusiasm here because we're, we're, we're looking at a three-year sample size of Michigan State secondary under this new regime, and it has not looked good, but against the Chippewas, against the Spiders, all right, things seem to be going on the up and up here. Like the new guys, like Dylan Tatum, Strong. Or Marion Smith actually looks really nice out there. Uh, Malik Spencer, love the way he plays the game as well. But let's talk about an older guy here for a second, a guy that's been in this program for quite a bit. Angelo Gross. And no, I'm not going to talk about the interception that he dropped. It is what it is. But half sack, half tackle for loss. He was very active in this game. And let's get to the... Oh, the I'm about to get emotional, guys, because we're going to get to the other good part of this game. And... Oh boy, I just, oh, single tear rolling down my cheek right now. I love Jonathan Kim. I love Jonathan Kim more than I love anyone else in this life right now because when that 52-yard field goal sailed through the uprights with little doubt, I'm kidding, it hit the crossbar, but it it, it was down the middle and it did eventually get through the uprights. Uh, <clears throat> it's me knock on a wood. Gang, we have a kicker this year. This is uh, very exciting. Adjust your lives accordingly. And then last but not least as well, I, I the, the defensive line. And this is something that we talked about before this game with Richmond. And no, this, this isn't anything groundbreaking that we told you before the game. Michigan State should have had their way against Richmond the entire time. But the way that we thought it was going to happen unfolded right before our eyes because when we watch the Richmond versus Morgan State highlights and we see Morgan State 
and their defensive line looked like four all-pros against the Spiders, you're thinking, oh my god, what's Michigan State's defensive line going to look like against Richmond? Uh, they are going to wreak some havoc. I jokingly said before the game, over-under, nine and a half sacks for Michigan State going into this game, and by golly, uh, they were well on their way toward that number. Finished the game with seven sacks, but yeah, the defensive line had their way with Richmond. Uh, it was right off the bat, too, because the second play of the game happens, and poor Wickersham, uh, Richmond's quarterback, just mauled for the second time already this game, or maybe it was the third play of the game, regardless, first series. I look at my wife, who's you know just doing Wordle on her phone, couldn't care less. I look at her, I say, this quarterback might die today. I'm not even doing a bit right now. This, this kid's life is in serious danger. And that's kind of what you got the entire game, unfortunately. I mean, football's a violent sport, and the uh, Michigan State defensive front certainly made it pretty violent. Again, seven sacks, also 13 tackles for loss, and Zion Young just continuing to shine. That, that This Young buck, really, really nice start to his season. One and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. And speaking of Young players as well, just want to shout him out really quickly. Jordan Hall, and yes, he did get ramped up usage uh, when Jacoby Winman had to leave the game. But the, the true freshman out of IMG Academy, five tackles on the game as well. And like a, we, we don't want to see more of him in place of Jacoby Winman. But if that's what it's going to have to be, then it, look, he, he's not Jacoby Winman just yet. But he, he looks solid out there, right, guys? I mean, as far as, you know, taking care of inferior opponents do... Jordan Hall looks the part to play linebacker right now. So, again, we'll, we'll see what happens here. We got some stuff that we got to talk about, like the bad things of this game. There weren't a lot. Again, 45 to 14. Okay, 45 to 14. Want to get that very clear. But first, you need to talk your ear off about athletic brewing. And right now, it is time for the game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, once again, Nathan Carter was, Athletic Brewery has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And Nathan Carter just makes the run game look good. Three touchdowns makes it look effortless. We talked about K-9 back in the day being the eraser of the offensive line. Well, so far, so good for old Nathan Carter. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game like I was talking about, guys. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. We've had Athletic Brewery in this household for quite some time, even before they hopped on the Locked on Spartans bandwagon. And I'm not kidding. These are delicious beers, and the best part, when you wake up the next morning... You're not feeling sluggish, you're not feeling hungover, you are feeling ready to go because they are fit for every time. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at the store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can also use code LOCKEDON, that's all one word, LOCKEDON, to get 15% off of their first online order. That is code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. And let's get back in the mix here for our Michigan State football Spartans. Uh, a lot of lot of good to happen, um, but again, then again, that's all you expect in a game like this against an FCS opponent that you're paying nine hundred grand to to fund their entire athletic department. I, you should mop the floor with them. You can confirm a lot of things, kind of like what we talked about in the first segment. The defensive line still looks really good. Nathan Carter still looks really good. Noah Kim, okay, solid. The receivers, my goodness gracious. I mean, Courtney Hawkins. 
You talk about a good developer of talent right there. I mean, I would say that's pretty good development there. Now, with that said, there's some things that we're, <laughs> uh-oh, a little concerned about. And it's, it's it's not like I'm pulling every single fire alarm in the building right now, and I'm not going to go full chicken little, but uh, this offensive line. Maybe I just walked into the season with too high, uh, too high of expectations, but leaves a little bit to be desired. Now, I'm not going to say that they're trash, you know, that they were just complete butt cheeks the entire game. No, like, Noah Kim still had solid pockets to stand in. But I'm a little nervous about this run game, and maybe I'm just holding on to the first few drives to start the game a little too much because Michigan State did go three and out, and then three and out. And then, well, Hank Pepper fell on the muffed fumble, and then that was that. Michigan State scores not too far after. Anyway, regardless... Alarming to not get a consistent push against the Richmond Spiders. Uh, I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to say right there. Um, And I'm not the only one here because we did go to Twitter.com. And, of course, I ask for a lot of your takes. And there were some, there was some chatter about the offensive line as well. And just, you know, the start of the game. Because I did ask, what was your biggest lesson learned from this game? And we're going to keep it with the offensive line here. Just, just, just hey, we're going to make it a sandwich. We're going to talk about the good to start. We're going to get into this, like, things we didn't love in the middle of the show. And then we're going to end on a high note here. But Sparty Josh writes in, The O-line isn't what I thought they were. They should have easily pushed Central and Richmond's D-line. Of course, if you remember Central Michigan, MSU had two chances on fourth and one. They didn't go well. Execution errors on the offensive line. JD also writes in, need to let the boys cap recruited start from here on out. Now we're going to blend these together into one take here because when Colorado, that's right, if you're not sick of hearing about Deion Sanders and Colorado's team yet, we're going to use a little anecdote from their game against TCU last week. And Shadur Sanders, great quarterback so far for the Buffs. He was asked about his transition from playing FCS because he was at Jackson State with his dad, of course. To switch into Colorado. What was that switch like going from FCS to FBS? And he said it really wasn't that big of a, a difference. And a few former players chimed in and said, that's actually kind of accurate here. I'm paraphrasing a bunch of different people's comments into one general comment, but they said the difference from FCS to FBS is not that big of a drop-off. The biggest drop-off, though, is in the trenches. You saw that with Michigan State's defensive line against Richmond's offensive line. It, it, it was almost inhumane what we saw on Saturday. I was fearing for people's health. Now, for Michigan State's offensive line versus Richmond's defensive line, you did not get that feeling. I, and that should be a massive drop-off between the level of talent from not just FBS. This isn't like group of five, like, oh, when, when Central plays uh, Richmond. Like, no, like power five. Offensive line against not a good FCS team. It should have been more dominant. And man, I, would I be opposed to seeing the young guys like Kevin Wigginton, Christian Big Dooley Phillips, who has had a nice start to his season, Dallas Fincher, who got some serious run in the Central game, Ethan Baldwin, or I'm sorry, Ethan Boyd, Brandon Baldwin gets some more time, I, Keyshawn Blackstock. I, well, I, it, it is early in the season, but if we had to nitpick about something. It, it maybe is that 
offensive line because it does not help when Washington is right around the corner and you have Braylon Trice, a guy that's probably going to go in the first round of the NFL draft coming into town here. I would like to tighten up the offensive line. So again, not, not to just be a Debbie Downer for an extended amount of time after that game, but as we move forward into this season, I thought this offensive line would be a little better. That's all I'm going to say. Just a little bit better. Anyway, we're going to go through all of your lessons that you guys have learned. We're going to pick and choose here. Uh, thank you guys so much, by the way, for all your responses on Twitter, Sheehan underscore sports. Or again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com if you ever want to reach out. Peter writes in, a really good, just broad overview. Through two games against low-level competition, we've seen all we needed to, sorry, needed to see in order to be optimistic. And it's hard to argue that. Yes, the thing we just talked about, the offensive line, underwhelming start to their season. We can work on that. However, okay, you see the defensive line's already there, right? You see the game-changing running back in Nathan Carter. Now, the death behind him has to be there. Like Jalen Berger, that'd be really nice to have him healthy. It was also a bummer to see uh, Jalen Barber in out for this game as well because I... If he was healthy, I, I think he gets those carries and not Davion Prim and Jordan Simmons because, well, he's the future, and I'm, I'm going to be nice tonight. Uh, solid quarterback play so far from Nathan uh, Nathan Kim. That's nice. Noah Kim, uh, again, not, not a great start to the game, but uh, you couldn't almost literally ask for a better finish than 18 of 19 passing after a little bit of time here. Could the play calling to start the game help? We'll get to that in a little bit here. But, again, the wide receivers – Bountiful. Jerron uh, Ger Glover looks great. Uh, Chris Fitzpatrick, uh, Trey Mosley was just, uh, you know, his usual self today. And the secondary does look improved early on. Again, I'm not going to jump for joy just yet, but you did let up less than 200 yards this game, whereas, you know, last year against Western, you're letting up a lot more than 200 yards. So I think there is some progress here with the secondary. Again, just a little test coming up this Saturday against in my opinion, the best offense in the entire nation, but uh, stay tuned until then. Uh, now, We Avenue said, first, this team looks and feels better than last year for sure. Lots of potential downside, as others have said, they need to get going early if they're going to have a chance with the better quality teams. Yes. I personally, call me crazy, personally, I don't want to go three and out at the 50-yard line on scripted plays like they started this game uh, ever again because you are going to have to get some hot starts now. The fun's over. You don't have three games of preseason like a lot of other teams in this conference do. You're not scheduling Dowagiak High School for your next game. It's Washington coming to town. You can't just burn up your first two possessions with great field position just like that over and over again. And I get what you're trying to do with the flea flicker, you know, get them going early. Was not a surprise, though. I think that gimmick has left. Richmond was almost, like, so prepared for it, I feel like they had a drone at practice this week, knowing that play was going to come. Um, and then after that, it didn't really help Kim in those first few drives there. There was one pass that he absolutely sailed, ended up being called back to a hold in anyway, but... Yeah, I, I would like to see more, you know, crossing routes, just easy routes for Noah Kim just to get comfortable with and not waiting until third and long and then, okay, well, Noah Kim, I, we're going to draw up this play for you to put this football into a mailbox size hole 15 yards downfield. Good luck. Go get him. Like, I, I would like to see a little bit of help for our guy Noah Kim here. Uh, we're going to get into a lot more thoughts here, but first need to talk all of your ears off about FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Squad, it is finally week one of the NFL season, and the fine folks at FanDuel, they want to take care of you. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and then get what? $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. And... Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. How could it possibly get better than that? Now is the best time to join FanDuel. I got all my bets in. My, my favorite lock for tomorrow, feel free to fade this, Patriots plus four against the Eagles. That's right, I'm feeling good about that one. So go join me or tail me or fade me, whatever you want to do on FanDuel. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. What are you waiting for, gang? Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, let's end this show here with more of your thoughts because you guys had plenty of lessons learned from this game. Doug writes in, the talent on this roster is very obvious. A lot of it is with youth, but as they grow, MSU will continue to get better, and that's interesting because during this week, I saw a graphic. I think it was uh, tweeted out by Fox College Football, and it was based on the 24-7 sports rankings of most talented rosters in the Big Ten based on amount of four stars and five stars. And Michigan State had the fourth most talented roster amongst four stars and five stars. Now, with that said, a lot of these guys are like second-year players, maybe third-year players. But you're starting to see that talent come to fruition here. With, just with the young guys already, Jaden Mangum, Malik Spencer, Dylan Tatum, Right off the bat, that's your secondary. And like we've already talked about, I don't know if I would be opposed to starting to see those guys as well on the offensive line. I know it's not loaded with four stars in the offensive line, but it's loaded with guys that Coach Cap recruited. Yes, you do have Geno Vandermark, starting four-star guard out of New Jersey. All right, He's doing fine, but let's start maybe ushering some other guys in there. But yeah, it has been a nice, nice just start to the season. Injuries aside, but it... Because you at least see the pieces of the secondary come to light. Yes, they do have their their young player moments, but, but please, I'd, I'd rather have the actual young players make those young player moments than very old players make those young player moments like they were the last few seasons. Uh, Alex writes in, would love to start with some short intermediate passes to get Noah in rhythm early in the game on offense. Uh, amen, Alex. Uh, we just talked about that. If we can get that going, that would open up the run game and more vertical passing game. MSU Lava Lamp. Noah Kim can throw to anybody. He hit nine different targets this game. And there you have it. Because we talked about concern for, you know, chemistry amongst the receiver group because there was this battle between Noah Kim and Kaden Hauser. And not just that, the wide receiver room was blown to smithereens and had to be restarted. So you have about eight guys, plus a few talented tight ends, gunning for targets. That's so many players. And I start to wonder, after watching Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed have beautiful chemistry together, what's the chemistry going to look like if it's just a carousel of receivers and quarterbacks here? That was stupid. Uh, didn't really matter at all because Noah Kim connected, just like MSU Lava Lamp said, nine different targets. And then uh, Montori Foster, Christian Fitzpatrick, Trey Mosley, Drunk Lover, Tyneel Hopper, and uh, Nathan Carter all had multiple catches as well. Kyle takes this next quote or next uh, stance from outside of uh, East Lansing. Feeling really good about our remaining unranked opponents after seeing some of their performances today. Six and four for the rest of the year should be the floor. I don't know if I hate that, actually. There's one game that gives me pause, but I don't know if I absolutely positively hate that. Now, the four losses, again, Washington, 
I'm going to spoil it. I'm not expecting to win next weekend. Would love to be run. I can see how MSU can win, but God, the Huskies look unbelievable. Anyway, the other three games, you already know it. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. But the six games left on the schedule of the unranked teams, so far I'm going to name off these teams. Let me know how you think how they've been playing this year. Uh, Nebraska? Goes without saying. I, I the, Good. I, I want... I need, I need Matt Rule to promise that Jeff Sims will be playing quarterback when they visit East Lansing that first Saturday of November because I, I think I can throw the ball better with my left hand than that young man can. I'm sure he's very talented in a lot of other areas in football and I'm sure in life as well, but throwing the football, not one of them. And that's going to be an issue if you are a quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, Maryland, at the time of recording, they're going to be, I thought, fine this season, but... Uh-oh, they're, they're down at halftime at home against Charlotte right now. Iowa, their offense is not actually making a lot of strides from last year. They have yet to break 30 points in any game this season. And, yes, they beat Iowa State. That's always a weird, sloppy game. But Iowa's not looking all too impressive. Now, that is the one game that I'm still not going to call leaning win just yet because going to Kinnick Stadium is never a picnic. Indiana, eh. All right, like they're Indiana, but then again, thought the same about them last year. We all saw what happened there. Uh, Rutgers, like they looked fine against Northwestern, but we talked about this with Will Hunter. If you guys listened to those episodes earlier this week, that that was more of a Northwestern problem than it was a Rutgers is good sort of thing. And then Minnesota, at the time of recording, a lot of game left. It was only halftime, but they are struggling against Eastern Michigan right now. And if you watch their game against Nebraska as well. I don't know if anyone in the maroon and gold has any interest in looking like a competent quarterback. Uh, Sparty Josh writes in, the O-line isn't what I thought they were. Sparty Josh, yes, unfortunately we've talked about this. They should have easily pushed Central and Richmond's D-line. JD writes in, need to let the boys cap recruited start from here on out. Amen, that's right. And uh, (laughs) Luke, it's going to get me in trouble here. Uh, Too many scholarships used on running backs. I'm having an okay Saturday night, Luke. I'm not going to get in a bad mood or say anything that I don't mean here, but oh boy. Uh, Jalen Barberin, literally any other running back that we saw in the fourth quarter today, step right up. That'd be fantastic. Uh, Edward writes in, just watched North Carolina's kicker shank two game-winning field goals. That's right. They had to go to double overtime against Appalachian State tonight to beat them. How did Kim not beat him out? Your guess is as good as mine because I, I look Noah Kim uh, no Kim Jonathan Kim transfers here and he's got a big leg he's known for his kickoffs and he wants an opportunity to kick field goals. Sure, you came to the right place. Uh, a team that had fifty percent field goal percentage last year, a team that could use anyone with any semblance of a leg. I'm thinking like whatever that this kid can maybe kick it far, but it's going to be erratic all over the place. The field goals he's kicked for Michigan State so far. Yes, they have gone in, but they're unlike anything we've seen recently. They are just beautiful end-over-end kicks. They are just tracking right to the post. I don't know what on earth happened in Chapel Hill to get Jonathan Kim out of there because it's, so far, small sample size, just two field goals. It's not an accuracy issue, and it's certainly not a power issue, but I I don't know what's going on there. Uh, McAllister. Now, listen closely. Uh, this is very exciting uh, for, for me. You can still sneak a good amount of shooters in with the metal detectors. That's right. They implemented the metal detectors outside of Spartan Stadium. And if you like to bring some, you know, just little bottles from your favorite liquor store, 
you read the headline, you're thinking, uh-oh, that, that might not be good. But hey, McAllister coming in with the goods there. Again, you heard it from McAllister, not me. And really quick here, guys, want to end the show with this. Actually, no, we'll do two things. The first one is Jaden Walker. Hey, he's our newest recruit for the 2024 class. Six foot three, 205 pound linebacker from Portage Northern. He was committed to the Rockets of Toledo. Plays a little bit of receiver up at Portage Northern as well. See your Rockets. He will not be playing at the Glass Bowl anytime soon. He has committed to Michigan State about an hour or two before kickoff today, so that was pretty exciting. And then just to get you ready for the NFL season, let's talk about the Spartans in the NFL to get you on your merry way into Sunday. 16 teams represented in this list. Michigan State makes up half of the league right here, and unfortunately... The team uh, that we have to root for the most, just by volume of Spartans, is the oh, is the New England Patriots. Of course, they have Bryce Berenger, Amir Speed, the two guys they drafted. They both made the 53-man roster. And then Matt Sokol, former tight end, he is on the practice squad as well. We're just going to continue to go down the list here. The Vikings have my guy, favorite Spartan of all time, Kirk Cousins at their quarterback. And then Jalen Naylor. Finished the season, his last two games, seven catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. Hopefully he can keep that momentum going into next year. The Steelers, Connor Hayward still on the 53-man roster. Josiah Scott is on the Steelers practice squad this year. The Rams, Brian Allen going into his sixth season over in L.A. And then A.J. Arcuri, he was the seventh-round draft pick not too long ago. He will start the season on the practice squad in L.A. as well. The Bengals, Joe Bocci, he made the 53-man roster. The Cleveland Browns, this is really going to shock you, but yeah, Jack Conklin, one of the highest-paid offensive tackles of all time in the NFL. He's he's made the 53-man roster. New Orleans Saints, unfortunately, Andrew Dowell out for the season. He is on the IR with an ACL injury, but yes, injured reserve. Uh, he's actually made quite quite a, a nice career down there in New Orleans, better than I thought he would. I mean, I, I love watching Dowell play up in East Lansing, but that's a longer NFL career than I thought he would have. Speaking of long NFL careers, the Las Vegas Raiders. Brian Hoyer, year 15 for him coming up. Sensational career from Brian Hoyer. 15 years in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills, Kevin Jarvis on their practice squad. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, Naquan Jones, he will start the season on the 53-man roster. For the 49ers, Tabor Pepper, lawn snapper, he returns as well. Green Bay Packers, not going to shock you. Jaden Reed, yeah, he's on the 53-man roster. And with Christian Watson out week one, actually, there are some... There's some catches up for grabs over there in Green Bay as they face the Bears in Week 1. Philadelphia Eagles, Ben Van Sumeren will start the year on the practice squad. Seattle Seahawks, guy by the name of Kenneth Walker, he will be starting for the Seattle Seahawks. Carolina Panthers, Raekwon Williams, practice squad guy. And then to round us off, the last guy, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, William Golson. He returns sensational career he has had down there in Tampa. So he's back. There you go. And we're back, baby. That's right. 2-0. We got a big one against Washington. We're going to have a fun week of guests coming up here. We're going to be doing crossover episodes with Locked On Huskies. We'll have a former player on this week as the plan. We might get into some recruiting talk. Who's to say? But hey, gang, keep it tuned. Locked On Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week. Go enjoy the rest of your weekend. Love you all. Go green.